My name is Olivia Cho, and I'm 16 years old and a sophomore at Cambridge High School, and this is my best friend in Super Bombay, Fudge the Cat. We wanted to both welcome you to my mom and dad's second act. My name is Cadillac Jack. I joined Atlanta Radio when I was 19 years old, put in a very loyal 26 years until July 2019, and, well, I was fired. So, welcome to my second act. And my name is Donna, and I'm Caddy's wife. Hi, Donna. I, I'm kind of um, thinking that I'm going to try to turn a cartwheel. Don't do that. On, Hang on. Not just any cartwheel, because I can turn a cartwheel in the backyard, but I'm going to try to turn a cartwheel in high heels in a bodysuit. A nude bodysuit. I don't know about that, but I'm going to give it a whirl. See what happens. Just like J-Lo. Turn a cartwheel. At wheel. the Super Bowl. Spectacular. Half-ass show. <laughs> yeah. Half-ass halftime show. Yes. You did try to do that one time, and we joke about it. Remember when the yelly, yellow daisy festival was going on at Western? No, it was a hard candy Christmas. That's right. The hard candy Christmas. And my mother, Grammy, my, your mother-in-law, my mother wanted to take you. We were in cashiers at the mountain house. And she wanted to go down the mountain to Kellaway for the hard candy Christmas yes. extravaganza. Like three weeks before Christmas. Would have been a 30-minute drive down the mountain. Donna refuses to go. Does not want to go. So you tried to do a cartwheel in the living room and wound up sprained. on your back. I sprained something. And I said, that's a hell of a way to get out of going to the hard candy Christmas show. I don't think it was intentional. Oh, Donna. <laughs> Donna. I just didn't want to go. It's a long drive, and I get car sick. Is that it? Yes. So what was your hype song on the way here today to the Appen Media Group on North Main Street in Elfra? My hype song was Mira Morris, The Bones. That's good. I like that one a lot. I do like it. And you know, she's getting ready to have a little baby, mm. her and Ryan Hurd. I'm fascinated by this because she is so tiny. Like, you know, when we've met her backstage, you could literally pick her up and put her in your pocket. She's so cute, so tiny. And Ryan Hurd, her husband, who is also a country music country music artist, is so tall. I mean, they could not be more polar opposite. So it's going to be interesting if they have like a girl or a boy. Is it going to be super tall or super short or somewhere in between, you know? But she's due soon. But that's a great song. What was yours? Well, after Luke Combs, made his SNL musical guest debut over the weekend, I have started to revisit Luke Combs, who's been around for two, three years. From Asheville, North Carolina, Western North Carolina, played the bars and, I don't know, they're honky-tonks in Asheville, but played the bars around Asheville. The Orange and, Peel, right? And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And went to Appalachian State University in Boone, just like Eric Church. He's a mountaineer. So I've been listening a lot to his song, Even Though I'm Leaving. Even though I'm leaving. I don't really know the words to it. And the entire Luke Combs catalog, because he um, he did two songs on SNL over the weekend. He did uh, Loving on You and Beer Never Broke My Heart. That's a great song. And was wearing like a vintage Hank Jr. t-shirt. He joins a very small list of country artists. You know, SNL is very picky about the musical guests that they get. Well, they're hard to get those slots. And country music has only been represented by a few people through the years. Garth has done it twice as Garth and also as Chris Gaines. Remember that? Oh, yeah. When he referred to himself as himself. Well, he still does that, yeah. Oh, he, that's right. He yeah. says Garth thinks. Garth says. Garth, Garth thinks. thinks. Come over here. And, yeah. Um, Thomas Rhett last year. Zach Brown Band. Blake Shelton. Taylor Swift. Keith Urban. McGraw. Carrie Underwood. Casey Musgraves and the Dixie Chicks. There may be a couple more, but that's kind of the... The list. They used to pick two more like, um, all, not alt country, but I mean more like, like Lucinda like, Williams. Yeah, I could see, or like a Katie Oslin or, you know, somebody like that. I could see um, Chris Stapleton being on there. I think it's interesting. He's late, done that. I'm sorry, he should be on the list. He's, he's, he's been on SNL. there. But you know what? Lately, it seems like there's more country on SNL. I feel like in the last couple of years, they've definitely recognized country and there's more of it, you know, for sure. Luke Holmes is about as country as you can get. Yeah, he's a super nice guy. Conference. He's he's very very low key. Doesn't you know? Anytime I've been around him or have uh, had him, you know, on the morning show, he he can be a tough conversation because he's just so normal. Is he shy? I think he's kind of shy. He just doesn't get excited about a lot of things. You know, he loves his music, loves his fans, loves being on the road. But to entertain Luke Holmes, I don't know what you have to do. Well. I don't know. I mean, he's got a sweet girlfriend. I see him posting on Instagram all She's the time. I, I thought he looked kind of um, like when he had on his Hank shirt, he looked good. Somebody must have talked him into wearing a jacket. You know, it's almost like you think of he's like. A, he's a big guy. He's a big fella and like a husky. 
And you think of like your mom, like, a you know, the mom of some boy who's like, you know, you're going out somewhere and you're like, you know, you might want to put a little jacket on or something. It was this, almost this like jacket was little. Too. It was yeah. little. I mean, it looked like a church school. He kept jacket. tugging at it. You could I tell know. he's uncomfortable. He was uncomfortable. Yeah. I think that's always funny. Like what art, when artists kind of step away from like who they are and we've seen it a couple of times, like I've always said to you, like, okay, if you ran into Kenny Chesney out on the street today, which probably some people listening have and didn't even know they did because he's very short, very bald and looks just like an average guy, you know, dad almost walking around but when he puts on his Kenny regalia, his, his tight jeans, his, and cowboy yeah, hat, and, he's ready to go. Yeah. And those boots. And he is very like um, superstitious. Like someone told me one time that he has like six pairs of jeans and they have to be like laundered perfectly. Like the holes have to be in the perfect positions. And once one pair has gone. And I know Jason Aldean was like that, too, because if you remember, we had a friend and she still works for Wrangler Edie. And when Jason Aldean first started, she supplied all the jeans to him. And, they, and he's little. He's a little guy. And they had to be like custom tailored. But they had to be sandblasted a certain way. They had to have holes in certain places. So, And he was very su- superstitious about it. But the thing, going back to Kenny, that I always thought was funny, when he would play the CMAs, I used to always say to you, I just want him to get up there and accept his award or sing in his normal Kenny wear. And it was always like he had gone to Kohl's or something and bought off the rack. Pennies. Yeah, and bought like this pair of suit pants. For Sunday. And they were ill-fitting and like a, a, a kind of an odd dress shirt. And he, it just didn't look like him. So, you know. And some people like Luke Combs. I mean, you may have to go up a size. It's okay to go up a size in a pair of jeans. Unless you're Tim McGraw. If you're Tim McGraw, you size down. Right. Yeah. Luke did drop the jacket for the second song. And chain shirts too. And I, I think that it's because he was just uncomfortable. And I'm sure they had two or three different looks for poss- him. Po- looks. Can you imagine having to, to, to style Luke Combs, who is just as. Luke doesn't want to wear that jacket. To be styled. Luke doesn't want to. You know, he wants to wear his trucker hat, which he did. Saturday well, it's night. his otter, and, um, polar, otter polar, you know. And they all have certain brands that they, you know, endorse or. You know, he does Crocs. Did you know that? I did not. You didn't? Yeah, he's got his own pair, his own brand of Crocs that you can't find them anywhere. They sell out. That's funny. Yeah, he and, and he lays it all out there on the stage. I mean, he's someone who, like when I was watching him, his face was beat red. I mean, he, when he sings that song, you know, or, or any of his songs, I mean, he gives it all. So he's got to be comfortable when he's singing. We were talking about the Grammys in a past episode and about the spike that an artist can see after they have a national platform to perform on, like the Grammys. Biggest spike in the week following the Grammys went to Billie Eilish, Eilish, Mm -hmm. who's the alt-emo girl Mm -hmm. who... Sings with her brother. uh, His name is Zest. No, Phineas. 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 (laughs) Blake Shelton saw a huge spike after the Gwen Stefani duet on the Grammys. Camilla Cabello saw a, a huge spike, as did Lizzo who opened the show in the 24 hours following this past weekend, Super Bowl, it's been interesting to watch the charts after the halftime show and Shakira in the, in the full day following the Super Bowl had like nine songs in the top 100. Whenever, wherever mm-hmm. was the high. I think it, <laughs> you like that. I do. I think it landed at number three. That wow. was, yeah, but that's, you know, in 24 hours. But again, it shows you how we are all, myself included, we are all so, um, you, we, we want to hear that music like Tandy Tucker, my conversation about Tandy Tucker. I would have never downloaded Tandy Tucker, but I saw on the Grammys and thought, you know what? I, I want to hear some Tandy Tucker. Same thing with J-Lo and Secure, uh, Shakira. J-Lo only saw like four songs chart. I thought that was strange that, that J-Lo would not have more. I would have thought that J-Lo would have had more songs strike the iTunes chart 24 hours after the Super Bowl than Shakira. I think most people know who she is. I think there are a lot of people out there who did not know who Shakira is or was. I think it'd be interesting, like, if you looked to see how many people just typed in the search bar, like, who is Shakira? You know what I mean? Or, you know, where did she start or or whatever? She kind of has a, it's funny, you and I have listened to her for a while. She has a little rock and roll edge to her if you mm-hmm. get some of her older um, older projects. There, I mean, obviously, it's Latin, has a Latin flair to it. But um, she was playing the drums. She's an amazing musician. Um but yeah, I think most people know J Lo's music. So 
She's married to, they have two kids. She's married to a football, uh, well, football, but a soccer yes. guy. I think they live in Spain. It's a sp- yeah, it's a Spanish. 60 Minutes actually re-ran a piece with her Sunday night against the Super Bowl. And I guess probably against her halftime performance on Fox, you know, almost the same time with 60 Minutes being on from 7 to 8. Well, what did what was um, well? First of all, let me just say, you know, I I do love sports, but I, I mean, like I became a real Super Bowl fan last night when I saw that quarterback for the Forty ers Jimmy Garoppolo. Yes. What's his story? He's cute. Okay. He is cute. He looks like a young George Clooney. You know, the quarterbacks are always so cute, aren't they? I think that's part of it. If you're a quarterback, you got to be cute. You have to be able to throw the ball, too. That helps. We joked about the Chiefs head coach, Andy Reid. I thought when I first tuned over, and I, I was a very disactive viewer this year of the Super Bowl. I just I don't, I didn't care between yeah. Kansas City and the 49ers. But that was Wilford Brimley. That's who that was <laughs> no. on the sidelines coaching the Chiefs. I don't okay. know where they took Andy Reid, but that was Wilford Brimley. Well, he you know he was in a good mood because they won. But I kept thinking – if he loses, like he is going to snap his clipboard on his like thigh. You know what I mean? Like that kind of angry man. I mean, just like mad. You know, you did not want to make old Wilford Brimley mad. But they won. It was a great, it was a, I mean, it was a great game, you know, overall. I thought there were some really good commercials. I, um, obviously everyone's talking about the Loretta Google let me, commercial. Let me, let me tell you about Loretta. Okay. In real life, Loretta's husband would have stumbled upon her cloud at some point and, and seen that she's been sending nudies to other guys for like 10 years. Okay. Why do you want to do That's that to Loretta? Loretta? Why do you want to do that? There's a side to Loretta. We're not just, we're not quite sure about yet. Why do you want to do that uh-huh. to Loretta? <laughs> Gosh, I thought it was so be sweet. Like, Holy, you know, I thought it was so sweet. Yeah. It was a good, like, you know, tear jerker. You know, to get serious, we have Alzheimer's on your side of the family. And I, that, I mean, I just thought it was, it was very sweet. You know, here's the, here's the problem with that though. You can't, I can't, we can't even get Google to turn off our alarm in the morning. So I just don't know that Google's going to be able to find out all this stuff about Loretta, but, or keep it or, you know, on the cloud, on the cloud, with but her, with her in premise, it was very, well, she was in a sorority in college. She was a Delta Sig back in the day. Anyways, in premise, it was very sweet. I'll tell you the one I did love. I loved the Hyundai Smart Pack. I was very irritated with that commercial because of the accent. I loved it because... I'm a big fan of the dude from The Office, John Krasinski. Krasinski. And then he had the chick from SNL. Yes. And then who else? Uh, I can't remember. But Why they, wouldn't they have gotten Ben Affleck and Matt Damon? Well, they probably couldn't. They didn't want to... Maybe they didn't pay Hyundai couldn't afford it. But here's what's so funny about that commercial. I lived in Boston for two years and um, when I was in sales, and I had, that's when I first started in radio sales. And when I lived in Boston, people would ask me to do my presentation. They'd be like, can you start over again? Because they loved my accent, which I don't even think I really have, you know, a Southern accent. But the more you move away, sometimes it gets stronger, or, you know. And they really do talk like that. And I was the same way. I would ask them to talk so that I could hear them be like, yeah, and Revere, we're going to go park the car, get some briskies. I mean, it's hilarious. Like, it is the way they talk. You think it's a sketch, almost, Yeah, right? but that's how they talk. Yeah. It was funny. I thought it was cute. I was more amazed by the fact that I need this car. Like, this car can pull itself in and park itself. Backwards, frontwards, you just push a button. This could solve all of my parking and driving problems. I don't know that that would. I think it would. I don't know that there's much that would sweep. All right. I want to, um, I want to, I, I pulled two specific tweets that I saw the day after <clears throat> the Super Bowl. Can I share those? Sure. One is a guy I, uh, named Pete Blackburn. I think he works for Fox News. At NFL, my son just humped a hole into our sectional couch. I hope you're happy. Dagan McDowell is uh, a writer for CBS Sports. I love the halftime show for the spectacle, performances, strong and talented women, and the emphasis on Latin music, which is very Miami. If people need something to get upset about, start with cancer. Yeah. As you watch the halftime performance, you did not see anything that you have not seen at a Hawks game or at an NFL game or even on the sidelines. I don't know what the big problem is. 
And you're going to tell me you have two daughters. You don't want them dancing on a pole. Of course I don't. It was about the artistry. <clears throat> and I've watched it before because I know we're worried about kids and filing FCC complaints and stuff like that. I have watched it 23 times. And I don't think there's anything indecent about it. I'm going blind in my right eye. But I've watched it for all, the sake of everyone. All in the name of research. All right? of that. 23 yeah. times I've watched it. Here's my thing. What do you I, think? I thought that, first of all, I thought that Demi Lovato did a beautiful job. You know, here's a woman standing in her own, as we've talked about before, who's had some incredibly public struggles and, you know, just stood up and did a beautiful job. And then you have um, Katie Sowers, who is one of the first female or the first female coach to stand on the sidelines, openly gay. You know, in the NFL, imagine what she has faced to get to that point. And I don't think that the halftime show has to be, has to stand for everything that we're dealing with in the country, whether it's the Me Too movement or, or anything. That's, that's not my point here. And I'm also not a pearl clutcher. I've heard this whole term said today where middle-aged women are, you know, clutching their pearls and we're so, you know, horrified by the performance. That's not me. I'm incredibly liberal. I... You know, it's not that. But for me, it's just like with Shakira, she's Latin. And, and J-Lo is too, don't get me wrong. But it was, for me, just from the from the standpoint of the entertainment value, it was too much of the same thing. And Would that be shaken? Is just, that what you're saying? Yes. Or, or yes. just the Latin flavor, the Latin music? Maybe not just the Latin, but I mean, a lot of the same type of performance. Shakira came out and, and she is like, she is an official, like she can belly dance. She can do all this stuff. She's, and just turned 43 this week. She's amazing. That's the thing that starts to get me going is the whole age thing. Isn't it amazing that JLo can do this or look how good she looks, you know, at 50. It's like, hello, newsflash. Women look great for a long time now. You know, my thing is she has so much material that I almost think all the stuff she did took away from her performance. It's not to take. But but define everything that she did. Well, I don't understand. What do you mean? I mean, she slid down a pole. She um, and, and I'm not even and I said this to you earlier. I don't even know that I'm blaming the two or it's not blaming, but that I have a problem with the two artists. It's the camera angles and the you know, it's just the hoochie cam. It's a lot. It's a lot. And again, I am not, do not at me. I am not like some, you know, mar- you know, old lady saying this. It's not that at all. I, I love and, and I think she's a beautiful woman. And I think she's incredibly talented and obviously very limber. But I just, she has so much music. And I think it would have been cool to come out. Like I've seen her come out before and like, um, you know, like a black pantsuit type thing. Or even if she'd had on like, hot pants or something in it but it was just so much and it was so in your face and it was almost like I wanted to pull her aside and say I get it that you own your sexuality and you you know you you no man's gonna tell you how to perform this was your perform. I get that but you don't you didn't have to do it it almost instead of to me it made the performance more lowbrow and not not because of what she wore or anything but she is an incredibly accomplished performer she's an actress she's you know multi-talented and it just seemed like that's all you got you know like you you don't you have so much more and it was like the lowest kind of common denominator and I think it kind of took it away from it was almost like the way I look at it as a woman in that age group is like she felt like she had to pull out that bag of tricks you know, where everyone's going to say, oh, that's part of her show. She's ever- that was part of her tour. It is. But I mean, it, it's just a small snippet. And I think that, you know, it was almost like there's such a small amount of time in the performance that it was like, I'm going to pull out everything I've got from the polls to the, the I mean, it was just, it was almost just too much. And it was too much to be too much. And maybe she wanted that. Listen, we, we've, we've talked about this before controversy is is good for people's career just as much as you know but to think that we were years ago worried about a wardrobe malfunction and it was like whoa you know and and I know like for for our girls like Olivia when I picked she had gone over to um Jack her boyfriend's house to his family to watch the game when I picked her up I said did you watch halftime show she's like mom it was like I just didn't want to watch it so you know there's probably Hopefully, we're all raising our daughters to think their own way. So for me, it's not, oh, my gosh, you know, 
female empowerment. I don't want my daughters to see that. The world is the world. They see that kind of stuff all the time. I just don't think she had to, and I don't want to even say go that far. I just don't think it was necessary. Like you've got so many hits. And honestly, I don't remember a single song she played. Because it all, uh, it the, just the, ran the, together. The, the choreography and the it just ran angles together. for the cameras, it, it yeah. took away from that. It did. It just ran together. What, what about the, the comparisons you see of Adam Levine nearly n- naked on stage at the Super Bowl halftime show last year here in Atlanta? Well, he was naked from the waist up, but they didn't have a camera on his crotch. You know? I mean, okay. I just, I don't know. I just think it's... Write that down for the title. You know... They didn't have a camera on his crotch. Someone's bitter. <laughs> I mean, maybe they should have. You know, I just, I don't know. I, I think it, it's supposed to be entertainment. It's supposed to be however many minutes, what, two minutes? Twelve. Twelve. Okay, that's a lot to fill. So, I mean, shake it a little. But, I mean, it's 12 minutes. I'm not saying that you come out there and just march around. Absolutely have some fun with it. But, like, okay, for example, when Pink does her aerial it's not, it didn't, it doesn't feel the same way. You know, for some reason, there's something about when Pink does that, that it feels more empowering in the way she is. It just felt very, last night, it felt very almost like, I'm going to prove to these people that at 50, you know, you can still do all of this stuff. And it becomes this whole sidebar conversation about how women are supposed to look at what age and, you know, that kind of thing. Now, as a sidebar, I've thought about this because, you know, we're close in age, JLo and I. If I had to put that outfit on, I would come out in like a fuzzy robe. You know what I mean? And like get my mark on stage. First, somebody would have to help me up there. I'd be like wobbling, pulling my pantsuit out of my rear end, mm-hmm. front and back. And I would be like, you know, do not hit the lights until I am off that stage. Like this, this room better be pitch black dark you know, with everybody in their glow sticks until the last minute. And then I better just vaporize back into my robe. I just, I mean, that's the thing. She's incredibly confident. And if I look like her, I drive through carpool. I swear to God, I would drive through carpool in that in outfit. outfit. I would. <laughs> I would go to Publix. You would see me in like. Starbucks. Yeah. So I'm not, again, I'm not Chick-fil-A. debating whether she looks amazing. She does. She does. But I think, and it's not one of those things where it's an unrealistic standard for women to live up to. I just don't, I, I just, it wasn't. I don't know. I just didn't think it was a great performance. You know, it 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 wasn't nobody walked away from it. You know, like when Aerosmith plays or the Rolling Stones or something like that, you're just like, dang, that was good. This was just like, eh, you know. No, well, I walked away going, dang, that was good. Well I thought that it was. I thought they did a great job. I do too. I don't All think right. they did a bad job, but I, I think it was maybe a little much. Why no country artist in play with the Super Bowl? is a question I get a lot around this time every year. Especially in Atlanta last year, you would have thought that there would have been, you know, I've heard the hip-hop side because Atlanta's, listen, it's not just a, but it's, we're yeah. not just a hip-hop no, city yeah. anymore. It's very much now a country music city. More artists come from Georgia that, you know, join the country genre than any other state. Yeah. Um, in 94, I got here in 94, and the Super Bowl was at the Georgia Dome that year, and it was Travis Trent, are you purposefully saying his name wrong? Tan, huh? Are you saying Travis his name? Trent? Okay. Tanya Tucker and the Judds. Which doesn't sound all that exciting. Donovan, back in 94, all three, I think the, the Judds are walking the bridge again. I think this is like their third you know, retirement tour. Well, point. I will tell you one thing. You did not have to worry about bodysuits on those two. Like they came out head to toe appropriately dressed. I mean, <laughs> you know, in like Glenda the Good Witch dresses and heels and there was nothing. <laughs> Who would you want to see? In a bodysuit? No. If, if well, Yes, we'll start there. I would like to see <laughs> Luke Bryan in a bodysuit. Okay. All right. Who would you want to see in a, in a country halftime show? Oh, I mean, like, I think if they did just one, like, hit after another, like, okay. Multiple, multiple artists? Like, yeah, like Kenny okay. Chesney, Luke Bryan, uh, Luke Holmes, Jason Aldean, and then mix it in with, like, a little Brooks and Dunn, or even maybe try to find, like, some, I don't know, like, really power, you know. 90s country mix it in with the women Miranda Lambert I mean just have this whole like mixture and they're almost coming from all different angles and just and that that was also the thing about this one is like I said it just like everybody kept saying who are the surprise you know guests gonna be it just I don't know wasn't it was 
October. Her daughter did a great job. I had, she I had, did. I had heard that she did not want to share the stage with anybody. Her daughter or? No, J-Lo. Well, somebody had to hold mommy's cape while she got on the pole. I mean, okay. so it was like, you know, here. Hold mama's jacket. I got to go to work. Mom's got to get to work. I got to get to work. J-Lo to the main stage. J-Lo to the main stage, you know. Teresa Cousineau is going to say to you, you know what? I know what was wrong with your listing. Let me help. Let's get your house sold. Tracy Cousineau, real estate expert advisors, have a proven system that will get your home sold. If you have been with multiple agents, you have done multiple listings that have expired and there's been no success and you're frustrated, reach out now to Tracy Cousineau, real estate expert advisors, where you can get up to 18%. 18% more money while selling your home. Don't list your home yet. Don't lose your hard-earned equity. That is until you've spoken to Metro Atlanta, Metro Atlanta's number one most trusted advocate for real estate consumers, real estate guru, Tracy Cousineau. To get an absolutely free valuation of what your home would sell for in today's market, call 855-MY-EXPERT or go to tracycousineau.com. That's cousin with an E-A-U because you know she's going to sell your home. Hello, Jack. It is Nita Clark from Covington. I've got a question that I've been wondering for a long time since listening to you on Kicks. So a radio question. When you are doing an interview with, I don't know, say Luke Bryan on the air, I have a theory that it's a recorded, like somebody already did the Luke Bryan interview like last week and you're on the air and you're just answering, like, cueing the question to the recording. Is that true? Is it sometimes you really were interviewing real people, the real person? Or was it just something like the company sent out to all of the radio station affiliates for the DJs to kind of do a voiceover for the interview? So I was just curious. Thanks. Interesting. It's done a lot of different ways. The main way it's done is, yes, you do get time with an artist. If you are on a major market country station and there is an artist who's dropping an album or there is an artist who has a new single and they need a push, they need radio to kiss it a little more, they'll schedule uh, time for radio in the major markets. So if, if, if Luke Bryan was on the show and you heard interaction and you heard laughing, it was... Not live, but it was me and Luke Bryan. Now, not not always in the studio live either. No, a lot more often than not on a satellite on because, satellite. you know, artists at the Luke Bryan level don't visit radio anymore. Right. They just don't. So it is never live for any morning show. And here's why. You tape in advance because you control it. In the ratings world today, you have to be very, very quick. Or that's what they tell you. And that's why I love podcasting is because you're able to to share a story and you don't the clock's not ticking and you don't have a program director in the window tapping his watch. You would I would often find myself cutting details from stories or or you know cutting a funny moment from a visit with an artist like Luke Bryan for time. So if you record it even a day in advance, you have time to edit it down into bite size 90 second pieces for the listener to consume. And it has always come back in every research project that I have seen And radio companies for the most part, don't do research projects anymore because they're very pricey. But the one thing that always came back as one of the biggest disinterests from listeners was visiting with artists, which That's, I always that found surprises crazy. me. Yeah. It surprises me. You know, what's interesting too, is you would take, how long would an interview be? Maybe what? Four or five four minutes. minutes. Yeah, yeah, four minutes. And you would chop that up and use it. All morning. Ten different times. All morning, yeah. Because, well, yeah, you could use it. And, and you also recycled it, you know, in, in radio. And we got asked this a lot. Why do I hear so much material being repeated? Or I, I know I heard that yesterday. If you have A-level content, it's okay to air it. I was always told by consultants that I worship that worked with me throughout my career every 90 uh, every every hour to hour and 20 minutes i disagree with that i don't think you can run it that tight meaning replay it that quick and if you aired it originally at 605 i would re-air it at 805 
Mm-hmm. And then the next day, maybe if not the day after, it's 7.05. So you hit every hour. Um, but again, it's got to be good content. It's got to be a superstar. Often some of the best visits that you have or the best interviews that you have with, with artists, they're not these heavy hitting all-star A-level artists. You know, Pat Green. Yes, was a great interview. Was always a great. Who was Pat Green? Pat Green was a Texan. Uh, won a Grammy for Wave on Wave. He had several hits. But, that he, was but he also had a huge fan base. In Texas. I mean, was as big as Garth Brooks. Would sell out. Yeah, or Dwight Yoakam in Texas. Everywhere that he played. You know, I've had people ask me before, and, and this kind of speaks to that, why why were, why were when he was on radio was he always telling us what he was going to tell us instead of just telling us? You know, like, in five minutes, in three minutes, I'm going to tell you in two minutes. Make two sure songs. you're listening. Yeah, yeah, two songs. So what was that about? Because ratings now are determined on how long you listen. So there are four quarters in every hour. Every 15-minute block, every quarter hour is considered its own ratings period. So you have to have five minutes of non-consecutive listening within the quarter hour to get credit. Credit from the device that picks up ratings. So if you come out of commercials at 6.02 a.m., you play a song for three minutes, I need you for at least two more minutes in order to get credit for that quarter hour. So what I'm going to do is set a tease, plant a tease, as we call it, coming out of song one, going into song two, so that you hang around for that second song, which is three minutes. Again, I only need, if you know, again, the average length of a country song will say three minutes. So if I come out of commercials at 6.02, play one song at 6.05, that's just three minutes. I got to have five to get credit. So that's where all the teasing came from. And I, I, I called it teasing fatigue because – it, it, you, but to win, that's what you have to do. Yeah, it's, and it's interesting how it is very much a mental game, and people don't understand that. You know, I don't think you were so good at what you did. You really were and still are. But, I mean, I don't think that people understand how much mental time it takes. You're not just, like we're doing, turning on mics and sitting here and talking for an hour. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, you know, that horizontal, I mean, they call it horizontal teasing, vertical, vertical tease. teasing, um, again, trying to get the listener back because, and, and you know, how, how stations are programmed, they're programmed against each other. And at different times and different ratings periods, there's different ways to program. And there's always different ways to program. Different programmers think different ways, different general managers think different ways, you know, but that's why a lot of times if you, if Kix was in a long music sweep and you went over to the bull, they were in content. You know, or vice versa, because, or sometimes it was head-to-head music, you know, depending on- Or head-to-head commercials. Commercials. Which is done by design. That doesn't just happen. Right. Because the goal is- Everybody's always monitoring everybody. Exactly. The goal is if you, you know, hear another, oh, that's another car commercial. I don't want to hear this again. And you click over, you almost just want to level the playing field. You know what I mean? It's There's another car commercial over there. So that best content, best music wins. Um, Because otherwise it becomes this game of- are they in spots? Or are we out of spots? Are they in contesting? Or are we out of contesting? We are try we... to beat them out. That's yeah. what it's called. If whoever's out first of a commercial break wins, that's generally right. the rule. Right. So um, I remember when the bull first got here. It's been a long I mean, they've been here a long time. They have. I remember Scott Lindy was the program director. At the bull. That put the bull on the air. He, he later came to kicks. Right. But he put the bull on the air. And the way that he did it was by attacking kicks. In some very clever and creative ways. And I will never forget the first time I was listening, monitoring the bull when they just got to, you know, just got to town. And I heard a, a sweeper, you know, the big voice guy, 94 on the bull. And it was basically saying, here at the bull, we play less commercials than our competitor. Like go, calling kicks out. Go ahead, check. We'll wait. Now, what's your mind do? You have to know. Flip right? over, yeah. You're going to go to kicks. You're going to hear what? Commercials. You're going to come right back to the bull. Yeah. Here's why. There's someone that was monitoring Kicks in the control room at the Bull. And so when Kicks went into commercials, they would queue up that sweeper and play it immediately. Um, because you couldn't here, – here's here's how that whole thing would collapse. And that is if they told you, check, go ahead, check, we'll wait. And you and weren't. You, and, and, you, and Kicks was not. Then you are – what little bit in the early days of credibility you have as a radio station is gone. It's shot. Right. If you went over there and heard heard a commercial, you know. Yeah, it's I, fascinating. I think if people knew, we'll have to do one episode on ratings, and um, 
you know, people would say all the time, oh, everyone listens to your husband or everyone listens to kicks. And you and I would always joke, well, get them a get meter. Him, get them a meter. It used to be, we'll just go a little bit into it. I don't want to go too far into it. But it used to be that you actually got a diary and um, you were paid cash um, to fill out a diary of everything you listened to all throughout the day. That's the problem. Your recall. Yeah. And you can't Is remember. Is your recall correct? Or are you writing down a station that you actually didn't listen to? But and, you and think- we're not talking about big money. Let's face it. Oh, I think it's five, what? Five dollars. Five dollars. Seriously. To write down everything you listen to all day. I mean, it's quite a burden. And so in the diary world, you actually wrote it out and you could write down at six o'clock AM, kicks one one five, and then just draw an arrow an through arrow. the entire day. Someone would could also do that for your competition or for another radio station in town. So it was not a very believable rating system. I don't know that PPM Isn't is any better. better. Um, well, there was a big switch um, when it switched over to PPM. That's when all the teasing came into play. And that's when the teasing came into play. And now, you know, in a city the size of Atlanta, you would be shocked. We're going to get the exact number, but what, or as close as we can, the exact number of, they're just like pagers. They're like, um, that you wear around. And basically it picks up all of your listening during the Every day. Every station's encoded. And so it's not necessarily your favorite radio station. If you go to the doctor and they're playing B98.5 in the lobby, you maybe have never tuned to B98.5 in your entire life. Doesn't matter. Your PPM, portable people meter, picked it up. And how long you were listening. And so if you listen for five non-consecutive minutes and a quarter hour, then B got credit even if you weren't a fan. They got the credit. And something that could knock it off would be as simple as like Snowmageddon. I mean, that's not simple. But I mean, even a two-day snowstorm. Or President's Day, President's Monday, Day. the kids are out of school. Your your listening is off. Your routine is you, not the same. You, and so you would see a dip in ratings during, you know, even a one-day holiday that made up a three-day weekend. It yeah, really because you, you have to pick up at charges. I'm sure they're different now. I've never seen one. Um, but you, you know, you wear it around. You have to dock it and charge it. And so until you undock it kind of for the day um, and activate it, there's no, it doesn't, you know, pick up any active listening, but it is such a small number. I mean, like, I think it's 1600 total, very small total for radio, but in a then city of 6 million, but then there are meters that are assigned to genres. So there's such a small, small number of country, um, activations, I guess. Mm-hmm. And the panel changes so many, you can only be on for so long, so long. And then it changes to, to try to keep the, the playing field level, but also you can't, tell anyone that you're um you're a you're a panelist you can't you know divulge that the radio station can't try to actively go find you find you i mean you're they do in a way of contesting and you're always trying to get just listeners and we know the zip code you know the zip code of every single meter you don't know a physical address but you know the zip code you know their age you know their um, ethnicity and approximately how many quarter hours a week they give you so um and Hispanics, Hispanic listeners are weighted. I remember one time we picked up a Hispanic listener in Cartersville who it was a female, a Latina, and she was smack dab in the demo, 2554 being the targeted demo for most radio stations. So we'll say she was what, 33, mm-hmm. 34. Um, Kix's listening went through the roof because you had a female, you had her in the demo, you had her in a hot zip code for country, Cartersville in Bartow County. And she was loyal. And she was loyal and very, and she was weighted. Mm-hmm. Her listening counted more. Counted more. Would you remember there was a, there was, a, we found out, we didn't find, I mean, just be, again, because of the zip code, you, you don't know who they are, but you know basics. But there was someone in Decatur that was just causing like hell for us because, you know, one meter, when you're talking about 30, if even not even that for country, not even that I for think country, like, 10, like on a good week, 15 10, meters yeah. that are determining whether you get a bonus, whether you keep your job, whether you get a contract, you know, who's number one. And, you know, it it's kind of shocking when you look at it because, you know, people don't have the ability that they think they do to impact listening, which is kind of sad. I mean, obviously you love all the listeners and, you know, the groundswell support, but the fact that there is such a small panel determining what station is number one, number two. And when I was selling radio, um, there was a huge difference. There was, you know, WSB, there was V103, there was Kicks, and there Star. was Star 94. And they basically covered every demo that you could want. Um, and then it kept getting 
the field kept getting more and more crowded. And now they say there's so much compression. And what that means is between the number one station, it's probably not a good example, between number two, let's say a number three, there could be a half a share point determining, you know, what rank that is. And that rank, by the way, is equal to millions of, of dollars, millions of dollars in revenue. in revenue. So it's not just a, a vanity thing over, oh, we're the number one station or we're the number two station or where do you rank? And in the old days, um, the ratings would come out only every quarter. They would not come out. Now they come out monthly with the new people meter you system. You get a daily. You get a daily. But when they would come out, the program director, the ops manager, and the GM, and sometimes the talent, would go stand because they were faxed. Do you remember mm, they would I fax do. over the ratings? And you'd, stand, the and you'd stand at the fax machine and just wait. And you would either, everybody would be like, oh my gosh, or oh shit, you know. Okay. Donna just got us an E. Sorry. <laughs> but the point of it was, is it was like, it was like, Damn. it was so hard because like you would be standing there in real time. When you had, you, you were stuck with that for a quarter. For a whole quarter. Yeah. And it, and it become, became a rolling average. So yeah. if you had a really bad book, it could kill as you. they're called, uh, you could have to live with that for a year plus. Well, it was just either like you were the hero or the zero in a moment, like the talent, because everybody would just be staring at them. Like, you know, there wasn't a, and there's not a lot. I mean, that we can do as talent, talent to can, control. Exactly. I mean, you know, you just come out and do the best you can do. But as a talent, I've thought about this before with you, you know, especially when they started coming out monthly and then daily and, you know, weekly and daily, it has to get in your head some. Oh, of course. When it does. you're trying to do just a great show and have fun. Because you, what you don't want to do is knee jerk, have a knee jerk reaction. If you're down one week, one week's not a trend. If you're down four weeks in a row, something's going on. Maybe we need to, to, crunch down what you can do and look at the individual hours and even the the four quarter hours within that hour. And you can see how many people roll out, uh, whether it's because they got to the parking lot and they're walking into work to start their work day. That's why they quit listening or there's so many different you know reasons. Um, but no, there's a lot of pressure. Well, and there's so many voices behind the scenes, you know, um, there's your ideas for content that you bring to the table, but then there's someone who's saying, no, you know, we want to skew more female. female. And then the next day or the next week, literally, it's like a whiplash. No, we want to, you know, we're, we're, we're trending male. We really want to stay in that, you know, 18 to 34. But you're always looking in the rearview mirror. Right. With ratings. It was Neil McGinley, my first program director. You don't remember Neil. You worked for Neil. Mm -hmm. who, who said that? You know, with ratings, you're always looking in the rearview. Don't get too caught up in them. But as you said, Donna, there are so many people whose livelihood and jobs and. Well, there's a lot of meetings, you know, people used to say to you, oh, why don't you do this or you know, differently or why God. don't you do that? But it's just, there's so many meetings trying to get like the special sauce, you know, and in the old days, and we can say this because we worked in the old days and we worked in the new days. So it's not just saying this, but it's true. In the old days, there was so much gut you know, in bravado, in programming, in that you just knew, you know, you knew if you were catching lightning in a bottle, or you knew if something that you were doing was working, and you really relied on your program director to sort of be the captain of the ship. And nowadays, radio is so corporately run, mm. that even as a program director, it's really hard to help your talent do things, because you've got all these voices Corporate in your ears. And agendas. There's a lot of agendas that, you know, don't trickle down to talent that, like we said, you know, in one of our previous episodes, there's there's label agendas and artists that they're trying to break. And, you know, that that coincides with what music you play and, you know, how much you hear an artist, you know, people saying, why do you play this artist all the time? Well, because they were coming to do a show for us. Mm -hmm. The radio show, free show. And we owed them a lot of spins. spins. Yeah, that's what I love about you. Is we can have these conversations because you also, I mean, you were radio has always been a big part of your life too. Yeah, and it's not necessarily the negative stuff, but I think a lot of times people don't understand how little control. A second opinion can get you first rate compensation. Partner with the best attorneys in Atlanta. If you have been injured in a car accident, want to level with you. There are many attorneys in town that handle car accident claims, but most also handle uh, small claims and, and divorce or speeding tickets like a jack of all trades. 1-800-HURT-911 only handles 
car accidents. So if you've been injured in a car accident and suddenly don't feel so great, call 1-800-HURT-911. The injuries you don't see are often the most devastating, which can keep you from work, affect your quality of life, lost wages, medical bills. 1-800-HURT-911. That's the number. 1-800-HURT-911. Car accident? It's a 911 call. Call 1-800-HURT-911 to get the best representation. I'll, I'll share one more story. Cumulus, Atlanta-based Cumulus Media, who owns Kicks, and I worked for several companies, but Cumulus was the last owner that I worked for. Remember when they launched the whole Nash initiative? Yes. Okay. And it was based, it was Nashville, but everything was the, there were even radio stations. It at was one branded. Time, at, right. At one point, I do believe there was pressure to rename Kicks. Nah, Nash 101.5 never happened. Um, but remember when they launched the record label? Yes. Nash Icon Records. It was Reba. It was Martina McBride. Um, it was some older artists who weren't getting any airplay at the time. Like artists from the 90s. Mm-hmm. But yet we, even if you were hit country, you were, there was a mandate that you had to play those songs because it helped the record label. They used their radio stations as a, catalyst to get this music out there in hopes of downloads and making more money and exposure for these stars from the nineties that would have no record label home. If it weren't for Nash icon, the label sits folded, I think, but well, it just shows I, you how, how we're talking about how you don't have control about so many things. You know, if, if you're a hot flaming radio station, country radio station, that's really more of a top 40 lean type station. And suddenly you go from uh, Luke Bryan to Reba McIntyre. It's like, it just, yeah, seriously. Or Martina Mc- <laughs> Bride. I mean, it's just it, it out of your control. But the record label expected those spins from every station in America. Yes. And the project didn't work. But Very interesting. If you have a question, you can reach out to us. Easy to do. Leave a voicemail or a text message. And the number is 770-464-6024. 770-464-6024. Thank you, Nita Clark from Covington, for your question uh, this morning. So, yes, there were there, there were often, uh, more often than not, you're with an artist, even if it's on satellite. But, yes, there were times where you would get audio or sound bites from Westwood One, uh, which is the... Uh, uh, a leg of broadcasting that Cumulus Media owned. So there were a lot of synergy, but yes, there were also times, or you could take a sot sound on tape from your visit with Luke Bryan that was a really funny moment and put it in promos and, and re-air just that quick line because um, artist interviews always came up as the one thing that irritated listeners more than anything. That's fascinating to me. And so they were kind of frowned upon. Yeah. And if you got four minutes, maybe only one minute of it actually made it to the radio. And you put the rest uh, rest on the web or in a podcast or something like that. So thank you, Anita. 770-464-6024. Alan Jackson. Yes. State Farm Arena. Friday night, February 14th. Tickets are on sale now. Alan Jackson is coming home. That's a great Valentine's Day present. If somebody wants to surprise someone, get tickets for the show. Glenda James from Canton and Scott Johnson from McDonough are headed to the show. Thank you to Rita and the marketing folks at State Farm Arena for their partnership. It's going to be a great time. You know, the, everybody's going to be coming out from Nashville, and everybody's going to be traveling out from Coweta County. And as I posted on my uh, Facebook fan page, imagine the hits that you're going to forget that Alan Jackson had, that you're going to be just like, oh, my gosh, this is mine. This is mine. I remember this song, or, you know, just a lot of, uh, a lot of memories of Alan Jackson songs that you can revisit. Um, do you want to do pod people? Yeah. So we've got, um, we're calling them pod people. Anytime you guys, um, reach out to us on social media channels or even leave us a text or voicemail, we can um, pull a couple of you guys out and talk about it. Just give us your comments on what you're hearing, whether you agree with us, disagree with us. Um, we'll still love you either way. So Tracy, uh, I'm sorry, Melissa Hunt reached out about her husband, Tracy, his name's Tracy, but he's a man. Um, and she said that when her, when she goes away, like even just to go work out, that her dogs get very anxious, like when he's home alone with them, that they follow her to the door and they cry. Why? Because I think they're afraid exactly what I was talking about before. With Roscoe. Yeah. They're not going to get water. They're not going to get food. And she said when she comes in, their excitement level is like next level because they're like, thank God she made it home safely, you know? So she said, it's not just me. I don't know if it's a female male thing. I don't know about that, but I've never filled up water dish in my life. Exactly. Now you're coming clean. <laughs> now you're going to come clean. I have never watered, given water to one of our pets before. 
Wow, that is that's so. A, that's a wear right there. That is so bad. Um, I want to say hi to Crystal Digby. She works for the Atlanta Braves, and she has a 120 mile round trip commute every day. That is a lot. And started listening podcasts. And uh, she wrote, I listen to you guys in the morning before leaving home, but podcasts all the way in uh, to and from work now. Can't wait to hear you two on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Her question is this, and I used to get this a lot, was can't beat Caddy legit? Yeah, I've had a lot of people ask me that. I thought about that question when y'all mentioned that radio bit on an episode of your podcast. Can't beat Caddy was a contest we played every weekday morning at 720. Uh, You'll talk about ratings. It was without question the pinnacle the biggest moment of the morning show at seven twenty, our audience would swell sometimes two, four times what it normally would be Wow! because it was a contest. It was a game where you were able to play in your car. It was interactive. It was listener involved um, and, and successful bits and benchmarks like can't be caddy have those elements to them. Well, and the timing was perfect because a lot of people were driving their kids to school in the morning they could and play together kids in the car. could play. Yeah, it was great. You could play with yourself in the car. Okay. If you didn't have anybody riding to work with you or no kids. Right. But it was a 20-second pop culture trivia showdown, and it was absolutely legit. The script said, um, what was it? Now ask Caddy to leave the main stage. Mm-hmm. Or and, leave the room, yeah. And the listener was sometimes so trained from listening to the contest that they didn't even have to get the prompt. They would just say, Caddy, get out, you know, or leave the main stage. I would go out in the hall. Um, when, um, i trying to think, who was in that studio across the hall? For a long time, it was the front row on 680 the fan when they were in there. And so I would go out in the hall and I would, you know, I would socialize for 20 seconds and then come back in. I had no idea the category. I had no idea the questions. Do you think for a minute that Dallas McCade or Allie Mack were going to help me win anything? No. Okay. So it was absolutely legit. You're freakishly good. I've, I've People have asked me this before. You are freakishly good with like useless trivia. I mean, like, you know. Well, I'm also like a pop culture junkie. That's what I mean. It was like, you know, not so much like history questions or things like that. But I mean, you you did know almost everything about pop culture. I think I had a run of 60 wins in a row at one point. That's huge. Yeah. Um, you got some mail. I know. I'm I can't so believe this. excited. I was saying I hadn't, no one had sent me mail. And then I got, um, I got mail from someone. I don't know who it is, but I'll let you know next time. Like well, a, I think we should open up that right now. Well, some some sort of pictures or something in there. I don't know. I mean, come on. I don't know. I feel like you're putting me on the spot. I am. What if it's the man who wants me to do the voiceover work? <laughs> That's not what he wants. You are one awesome person. Let's see. Who's this you got one? my card. Betsy Richards. Oh, Betsy Richards. So sweet. She's fantastic. And it's like handwritten and long. Oh, I love a handwritten note. I think that's like going by it's the wayside. Yeah. It is. We're very good about making our kids write thank you notes. That's listen. That's a little parental tip. Not that we um have it all down, but I will say I think in the modern age, um, people always have their kids like just call grandmommy just or granddaddy, send them a text, and you know our uh, only one of our grandparents text, but nothing beats handwritten notes. Um. I'll never forget when we moved my mom into assisted living, she had like this whole bag of like notes and cards that the kids had sent to her. So never, ever, ever dispute the fact that, you know, and, and, and even if someone says to you, you don't need to send me a note. You do. Mm-hmm. You do. You know, you do. So um, it, get your kids in the habit of doing that. Makes them feel good. You know. Who introed the show earlier it was our very own yeah. lert lert as i call her olivia our 16 year old daughter that is a sophomore at cambridge high school olivia grace choate she has so many funny nicknames like and it all kind of started when she started playing softball she started playing softball at um north park north park when she was four years in, old in diapers yeah when she was four years old she's an amazing catcher and you told me literally as we sit down to start taping this episode you say to me Ball starts in two days. Ball practice starts in two days. It does, yeah. For spring. For spring softball. Golly, that just it, throws you, it's just like, ah. Well, you know, and she's played travel softball. She's, um, like I said, she's an amazing catcher. When she started in high school, really from middle school, she started in the band. And she really loved band. And she wanted to do marching band. She plays um, bass guitar, believe it or not. She doesn't march. People have asked me. She doesn't march with her bass guitar. But she plays bass guitar up in the front in the pit. And she plays the baritone also. Um but she's in marching band, she's in jazz band, but you cannot do a fall sport if you're in the band because band is a fall sport. So she made the decision to not play softball when she went to high school. And I know for you and I, we've talked about this, like we see our days sitting in the stands kind of 
coming to a close. And I've said this, and I don't mean this is not bad to any of my other kids, but when you have a really, really good player, it changes the way you watch sports. And not in a way of being um, ultra braggy, like, oh, that's my kid. It just, when you see your kid doing something that they're just almost born to do. And that they enjoy. That they enjoy. And they're so proud of, you know, there's plays. I can think back on plays that Olivia's made that I just remember them, you know. And and I'll say this too, the support that she's gotten from North Park, from coaches, from parents, you know, there's something to be said about, I know it's a pain getting your kids to sports, but there's something to be said about, you know, really having a community rally around your kid. There, Olivia can't walk on to that, into that park and not have six different coaches be like, Olivia, hey, she's been asked to umpire. Um So she's amazing at that. I will say this. She is our one child who, um, and I, again, I don't mean this to be braggy. She, whatever she takes up. She does well. She does well. Not all of our kids are like that. I'm not like that. I'm not like that. Um, But she, you know, when she started painting, she was amazing. She was always a great swimmer on the swim team, but she didn't like sitting on the grass. So she was like, I'm not doing that anymore. And, but I feel like, you know, she wants to play flag football now anything she takes up she just she has this ability to like be really natural at it um she worked the summer for the first time she's um she's smart she's kind that's that's the most important thing is she all of our kids are but she really is a very old soul super kind you have to explain fudge so fudge yes the cat that you heard in our intro one of our three cats so all of our animals are rescues, and I guess we'll just kind of, we've told you about Roscoe, but Fudge, um, Olivia, when she was little, always wanted a cat. And so we went to, or actually, she was carpooling at the time with my neighbor, Debbie, and they went by to pick up Debbie's dog, who had been groomed. At the vet. At the right, vet. Yeah. And this cat, it was December, his name was Jingle, and he was following her around. He had on this little Jingle Bell collar. And Miss Debbie was like, you have to come get this cat. You know, Olivia's been wanting a cat. This cat's following her around. He loves her. So... That's how Fudge came to live with us. Fudge's story is he was trapped in um, a an animal trap. I don't believe this. I never it, had. What? He I was. Think the vet, I think the vet, they, they, make, they come up with these crazy stories. It's kind of like the uh, those really sad commercials about the dogs that come on at the cleft palates. Okay. Well, he did. They just create a story. He was caught in. How do we know that? Because they have pictures of it. I've, I've never seen pictures or didn't happen. I've never seen the pictures. They do. Okay, but Olivia fell in love with this cat. Fell in love with the cat. So, and, and we brought Fudge into the fold. And she tried story. to marry him. Yeah, small side story about the cat. When she was in probably third grade, one of her friend's parents, one of, it was a, a, a boy that she was friends with, called me and said, I don't know what's going on, but I just know I'm supposed to have punch and cookies and my son's going to come to your house and there's some kind of wedding ceremony. And I'm like, oh, God, what is going on? And so she was going to marry Fudge and he was going to officiate the ceremony. You heard that right. Yes. And I'm sure that mom was thinking, what kind of kooky mother is going to let this go on? But I was like, sure, you know, we'll have everything ready. Balloons and all this stuff. We're ready to go. <laughs> you know, because I always just thought, encourage, you know, whatever they want to do within reason. She couldn't marry the cat. It wasn't like it was. She was crossing state lines or anything. It was just a small thing. Small ceremony upstairs. So, but, she, you know, it's fabulous. And now work. Fudge is in love with you. Mm. You have a special connection. He's a black Bombay. He's a Bombay. Yeah. Hence the name Fudge. He can be irritating. He will do this. He'll, he'll, he'll like, if I'm lying in the bed, which I am 20 hours a day, okay. with, uh, <laughs> with the fireplace on watching Netflix. I mean, let's be real. And Fudge will come in and he'll like get on my stomach. And if I don't pay him and you know, lay down or, or sit next to me and like have a staring contest at me. And if I don't acknowledge him, he'll pick up his paw and it is so gross. His paw, he's got all that hair. I've said forever, he needs he's to get his, his palm hair trimmed. Okay. <laughs> whatever. But he'll put it on my face to try to get my attention. He'll just like tap me on my cheek a little bit. It's like, oh, oh, he loves you. He'll be digging through litter boxes and that's true. Yeah, whatever. So. Alert, alert, love you and fudge. Uh, we do have a small ask of you. Three things. If you can, hit the subscribe button so you won't miss anything coming up. Rate and leave five-star reviews uh, for the pod and show our sponsor some love. Tracy Cousin, a real estate expert advisors and 800 hurt 911 We're thankful. Yes, thank you. For you both. My apologies to Ben Burnett. We ran out of time. You can check out his podcast, The Ben Burnett Show, and we'll try to rebook him as soon as we can here on Cadillac Jack, my second act, part of the Appen Podcast Network.